Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Kelly and Dalton from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studio over in Laurel. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Going to be talking about improvements on USM's campus today, both at the baseball field and a little later in the show, some entertainment venue that is being established at Southern Miss as well. Also, we'll just kind of catch you up on Conference USA Basketball and everything happening around the conference. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and, of course, Southern Miss. You can enjoy their delicious food. They cook it in-house each and every day. And with the Super Bowl now just uh, less than two weeks away, it would be a great time, Kelly Santer, to call Dickie's and set up a Super Bowl feast for your house where we could all come over and eat on your dime. That would be great. I, I actually, I think they're running a special that if the Bengals win, win the big game, then right. you'll pay nothing. For, oh, wait a minute. That's a safe bet. <laughs> But, you know, the, the Bengals, when they did win, oh, that's right. They never have won a Super Bowl, yeah, have they? I'm go sorry. ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Kick them when they're up. Kick so them all So Dickie's around. Barbecue Pit, a great option uh, for your Super Bowl feast. You can enjoy the ball game. Uh, you can sit back, relax, and you can let Dickie's do the cooking. All right. We want to talk about some things taking place on the campus this afternoon. And, of course, we're big fans of the baseball program in these parts. And uh, not only is there a new million-dollar field uh, down at Pete Taylor Park, which we understand and, and we see looks magnificent, but there's some new seating that's going to be taking place, a new venue of sorts for uh, for baseball fans at Pete Taylor Park this year. So we went to the mayor of the roost. Jody Lott and brought him on the Eagle Hour today to talk about it. Jody Lott, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. On a scale of 1 to 10, how how excited are you to see baseball back? Hey, we got a chance of winning. I'm going for it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's our winning sport. That's exactly right. All right, Jody, uh, let's start with the baseball field first. We've talked to Scott about it several times, but uh, I know you were – a big advocate of this and uh, the pictures that you've been sending me and, and what I've seen myself, I just think it's, uh, it's just beautiful. I mean, I, I don't know of any other way to describe it. Uh, it's uh, it's a night and day difference. And uh, I tell you, one of the things I've noticed the most, you may not notice it sitting up in the bleachers and elsewhere, but down on the field, I can't get over of how level it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, before the infield was a little bit higher, and uh, you know, normal baseball field, you got to cut those down every three or four years, and that sort of thing, just general maintenance. But I just couldn't believe uh, just how level it is, and just how comfortable it is to walk on. Well, correct, and and how gorgeous it is. It's amazing how they can make they can make it look like real grass and real dirt, isn't it? Amazing. I, I I saw it in stages, and uh, it was really a sight to see of seeing it. And then when they start adding adding the sand 
and the rubber pellets had made all the difference in the world. And of course, it looks flat, but but be, for drainage purposes, you know, there is a slight crown mm-hmm. in it, so that any any rain or whatever will, will slowly work its way off to the foul lines. Right. So that's that's the real science of it is to, is to have it not be flat, but look flat. Right. Yeah. Correct. And and to not have these Friday night games rained out. You know, and, and be crammed into double headers on the weekend. So I think everybody agrees that uh, while you may be giving up the dirt and the dirty uniforms, uh, you're certainly uh, improving the facility. Now, also, Jody, and uh, this was relatively new. This really didn't get a lot of attention, but there is a new, a, a new bullpen seating section down the third base line, right by and a little bit above the uh, bullpen. And there are some seats and tables available for sale. Can you share that information with our listeners? Yes. Uh, it's, it's called the Bullpen Club. Uh, the way the bullpen was set up uh, for the pitchers to warm up, basically they were running north and south. Well, they turned that around, and now when the pitchers are warming up, they're going to be east and west, and they made that a seating area out there. And it's on different levels. So the person sitting behind you is actually six inches behind, you know, above you. So there's not a bad viewing line in the in the section. Now, is that between the bullpen and, and the grandstands? Correct. It's uh, If you remember on the field, the left field uh, wall where the pitchers warmed up before, it's still going to be there. Uh, it's just they configured it different and added this seating area in. I got you. Uh, lots of changes, Luke Johnson, at Pete Taylor Park, and we're looking forward to them, aren't we? I like it, and Jody and I, uh, we're, we're trying to get donors out there um, to contribute to so, – so that the mayor has two offices, you know. He has one in the roost, right. and he has a has a vacation home in the bullpen club. So anybody out there would like to donate to me and Jody Lott uh, getting a, a perch in the bullpen club, we're for it. Jody, what I like about it, too, and what I've, what I've been hearing um, is, is that our bullpen is now going to be blind from the opposing dugout. That's a good thing. Uh, partially, yes, partially will uh, – Definitely be harder to see from the opposing dugout. Uh, not only have you got the, the seating area, the new seating area, well, right behind it, behind the wall, is a seating area for the pitchers, uh, more or less kind of like small bleachers, actually. Uh, so it goes up probably a good eight feet high. Uh, so it, it will be blocked to a sense. Hmm. Uh, I, I like it. Um, I, I got an email from the university this morning, and and what it is, what what it brings to it is there. What you have never viewed baseball, Jody, in Pete Taylor Park like this. And and Bob and Kelly, if if uh, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture in a minute. It's a very 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 unique perspective. You've never watched baseball like this in the Pete before. There's no doubt it's the best seat in the house. Hmm. Well, when you no when you use the term club, though, like Jody used bullpen club, there you usually associate that with a fee involved or a membership thing. Is is that is that? Well, I think you buy you buy seats and and you get, as I understood it, Jody, you get either two or four seats and a table for the for your for your purchase. Correct. Am, am I correct, correct about that? So you yes, can. And the ticket the tickets are included in that for a table of four is twenty five hundred for the season. Gotcha. I got you. So you can take food out there, and you can eat and drink and do whatever you yes, want to do. Correct. Uh, you, you, they will have their own concessions out there. Really? How many people yes. will that area seat? Do you know? Uh, I saw the layout. Uh, I'm just guessing. Uh, 
somewhere of eight to ten tables, so uh, probably in the 38 to 40 range. I got you. So with your own concessions, that's pretty good. Yeah, Luke yep. was Luke was talking about uh, people donating. You know, if if you're talking about people in the roost, the only thing I would not want them to donate is their livers. Uh, I think those guys out in the right field roost, they, they might be a little used uh, up out there. there you go. Well, that, that's, that's the one thing about the end of the season, because everyone's liver needs a rest. <laughs> All right, before we let you go, I know that you're also very instrumental in the uh, banquet, the kickoff banquet for baseball. I believe it's this Saturday night. Are there still tickets available? Yes, sir. Are there tickets available? And you can call the baseball office. Uh, talk to Cargill, and he will be glad to sign you up. That would be the great Colin Cargill. Uh, Bob, Bob, let me mention to you one other thing now. Not only do we have the field down in the new bullpen club, the whole outfield wall's been redone, and the front of the dugouts has been reworked. So really? uh, it's, there's been a lot of work going on. Now, are there, Jody, I wonder, can can, corporates, can corporate tables be, per, be purchased for – Game A, B, C, or D, or do you have to buy a table for the whole season? How does that work? I, as far as I know, it's for the season. Okay, gotcha. But I, now, Santer, I'm sure they will cut you a deal. Do you think so? And he's got lots of money, Jody. I was, yeah. Yeah, he's still but, got the first $2 that he ever earned. He doesn't, though. Well, see, the idea would be to go to Dickie's and load up on a bunch of great barbecue and then right. take it out there and treat your customers or clients to a day at the ballpark. Santa, you got have one problem. What's that? Your ice cream will melt out there. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to get some dry ice and pack it in. I gotta have hey, some for sure. Hey, Luke. Uh, Luke, sir. Uh, someone told me something the other day about Santa. When you talk about all the places you like to eat, yeah, what they say? They they told me that they asked me if I knew that Santa had a black belt. Yeah. I said no, I didn't know that. They said yeah. Taekwondo buffet. <laughs> that, that's me, buddy, and I and I worked I worked hard well, for that well, too. You eat enough. And that's right. you to go, Mister K. You eat vegetable. <laughs> Chinese embassy on line one. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, Jody, for stirring up the natives. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Jody. We'll see you at the ballpark. Later, Jody Lott, everybody, the mayor of the roost. Now, how do you get elected mayor of the roost? I think he's self-appointed. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> sort, of like, sort of like Democrats. You know, they just appoint themselves. Ooh. And if you. But nobody but it, argued with the appointment of Jody either. Right. They no, tried to pretty him. good leadership. Yeah. But, but I'll right. say this in a one year period, look at all they've gotten done. That's a lot more than we can right. say for our own U.S. Congress. Well, don't let the Democrats know they'll try to impeach him. And we wouldn't want to see that happen to Jody. All right. We'll be back. We're going to talk about more stuff that's happening at Southern Miss that's new. Uh, that's coming up on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
I want to thank uh, the mayor, Jody Lott, for joining us in the opening segment of the show. Always entertaining and a little unpredictable when Jody's on the show, but uh, he's such a great guy, such a supporter of Southern Miss. So remember, there still are some tickets available for the uh, kickoff uh, banquet, the first pitch banquet, Saturday night on the USM campus. Uh, you can contact the baseball office, and Colin Cargill uh, will get you all lined up. This segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and campusbookmart.net. Our buddies down on Hardy Street, as we tell you every day, and it's always true, have the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere for every member of your family, for your home, for your office, for your car. They're great people as well. You can shop uh, six days a week at Hardy Street, or you can go on the Internet and go to campusbookmart.net, and they'll deliver it to you. You've heard of that, haven't you, Kelly? You can go on the Internet now and order stuff and this mysterious person will deliver it right to your house. Well, and I think you need to do that soon because, as I've said, the Internet is a fad, and in about another year or two, it's going to be gone. You, so, think, it's, you think it's just going to disappear? Oh, yeah, yeah. Al Gore, I talked to him, and he said, Is that yeah, right? It's, it's so fun. when iPhones and the Internet disappears, what happens to people like Esquire here? Do they just have to lock them up in a mental institution because they've just... I can't, can't cope. They have with to the have a device. A, yeah, got to have hand. a device in their hands. I was at a movie the other day and I saw a, a millennial. The, the entire movie, and it was the same movie that you saw that was were not very impressed with right. the one with the four numbers in it. Right. Um, but the entire movie, the entire movie, this millennial was on their phone. See, I'm now, they, now they weren't making any noise. They, right. To their credit, they weren't right. making any noise. But the light of the phone, you could see and text, 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 text. But so that was $12, $12 or whatever they paid for the movie. Well, how many times are you watching an NFL football game and you see crowd shots or a college football and, game and there are people sitting there texting? All the time. I mean, can you not enjoy anything without having the phone in your hand? Put it down. Good gracious. You know? Put it down. I wouldn't pay 12 bucks to go see a movie and just sit there on my phone the whole time. I mean, that's just that's a waste of money. Well, I wouldn't I mean, think so either, but I'm telling you, I, I saw it with my own eyes. And like Bob mentioned in football, you see it all, see it all the time, people on their phones yeah. instead of watching the game. All right. We're going to be talking to a Jerry DeFada a little later in the show about the new Southern Station Amphitheater that is being built uh, in the shadow of the rock, I guess for entertainment purposes, we'll find out. Rock and roll, baby. Rock and roll. But first, let's uh, let's talk a little basketball, fellas. Uh, Kelly has the Massey ratings. Not that he gambles, not that he gambles, but the Massey ratings we think are probably the most accurate because there's money involved in them. Sure. And uh, how do the Golden Eagles look these days, Kelly? Before can I can I just mention? I know this is a Southern Miss show, but but in South Mississippi, the number one, according to the Massey ratings, the number one junior college basketball team in the country is Pearl River out Good of Poplarville, Mississippi. Congratulations. Pearl River, number one in the country in the JUCO rankings. Okay, in the Massey ratings, remember there are 353 Division I schools that play basketball, 353. The top-ranked team in Conference USA, according to the Masseys, would be who, Bob? Who would you guess? Southern Miss has already played them twice. Louisiana Tech. Yes, La Tech is first. 90th. 90th in the country. So if what they take, what, 66 into the NCAA tournament or 65, mm-hmm. whatever. The, so you see where Massey, what we're saying here is based on these numbers, again, Conference USA looks to be a one-bid one league. All right. right. Louisiana Tech is 13-5, and five, but number one in the conference, 90th overall. 92nd right behind uh, La Tech is North Texas. And the Mean Green moved up 29 spots uh, this past week. 
And they're 11-8 and eight now, right behind Louisiana Tech in 92nd. Western Kentucky is third. The Hilltoppers have a 12-6 and six overall record, but check in 114th in the country. UAB went down 13 spots, but they're still at 157 at 12-7 uh, and seven on the year. Then the other teams that are in the top half of the 353 are Charlotte at 168, UTEP at 170 and FIU at 172. Now, FIU has an impressive overall record of 13 and 6, but they only check in 172nd in the Massey ratings. Now, out of 353, you know, 175 is about the midway point. So FIU and FAU are, are right in the middle there. FIU at 172, FAU at 187. The Owls are down 14 points. Then the remainder of the teams in the conference, Bob and Luke, do not have winning records. Marshall is at 188 in the Masseys out of 353. Their record is 9-10 and 10 overall. UT San Antonio is 197. The Roadrunners are 9-10 and 10 overall, including a win over Southern Miss. The Roadrunners are up 11 spots. 211 comes Old Dominion. The Monarchs are 6-12. and 12. Rice, who Southern Miss beat, is at 230. But Rice dropped 26 spots, all right, down to 230. The Owls are at 9 and 10. Then come the Eagles at 276. Southern Miss up 18 spots in the latest Masseys, 5 and 14, the overall record. And the team that comes in dead last in the Mass- Massey ratings out of 353 schools, Middle Tennessee is 327th with a record of 4 and 15. That's the latest Massey ratings to be found at MasseyRatings.com. Do we get to play them, Middle Tennessee? Yeah, I think so. Do we? How about, I hope how about we a couple games? Four or five. Let's, <laughs> and in that in that pod th- that pod thing that we do, you know, toward the end of the year, maybe we'll get to play them again. So, Luke Johnson, what does Conference USA have to do to, uh, to get some national recognition? Luke? Did we lose him? No. Or maybe he's pondering the question. You'll talk. What? You want the long answer or the short answer? Uh, just an answer would be good. <laughs> Give me the long answer. Be Luke. better. Yeah. <laughs> be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just when when you start off that low, um, it's just tough to climb up. And and LaTeX is just because you're 90th in the Massey, and Kelly will agree with this, doesn't mean you're out of the tournament because you think about how many – how many bids? Some of the are some teams that are in uh, leagues above Louisiana Tech. They're only they may only be a one bid league or a two big league. So yeah, somebody from Conference USA is going to go. Um, it just it's just the, most of the schools that we play aren't basketball schools. You think about the old Conference USA; several of them were basketball schools. So you inherit programs, some of them not having basketball that long, most of them not having a, a tremendous basketball. Um, you know, legacy at all or history at all, just where you find yourself. So it, it's just not about Southern Miss getting better. It's about every program in Conference USA getting better, and, and that's just kind of where you're stuck. And to piggyback on that, normally when you look forward to baseball season, in the past, now this is my opinion, in the past, Conference USA's strongest sport from top to bottom has been baseball. Right. But I don't even really see that so much anymore. With Rice, Rice has been on the, you know, has been – off the last couple of years, and there really hasn't been anybody. The, the Eagles have been pretty consistent, you know, at, at the top. But really, other than that, it's kind of been a crash. Atlantic and Southern Miss, really. That's about that's about it. And hopefully, Rice will rebound a little bit and, and become a little bit more competitive. But I'm just not sure that you can put your finger on any one sport that Conference USA overall truly excels at, top to bottom, mm-hmm. when compared to teams across the country. 
But part of that is that Power Five thing versus, you know, part of that's in, well, in there as well. Well, it's different regions, too. You know, uh, I was watching just a little bit the other I'll, I'll confess I'm not a huge uh, watcher of college basketball, but I watched a little bit of the Duke-Louisville uh, game the other night. That Louisville won. Yes. Just just a jammed arena. I mean, you couldn't squeeze another person in. You say the same thing happens at your alma mater at Iowa State. Part of it, too, I think, is is in the southeast. It's, it's just not the big sport. I mean, it's football and then baseball. Yeah, you go, you go football, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, national championship, baseball. Right. I think that's right. I, mean, I think that's a fair statement. And, yeah. and football has always been the bell cow, you know, for, right. for a lot of these teams. Fair. So yeah. uh, and I don't and I don't know what you do to, to change that, you know, necessarily. Because Mississippi State has had some has had some good teams over the right, years, right? But the and I would I would say there. the only anomaly there is when Starkville has ten thousand people at a women's basketball well, that's game. Right. So the the common yeah. denominator is you win. When you win, people come. I mean that that is the the ba- that's really the answer to everything in Conference USA, and we can even go back to to other schools. There's been teams that haven't won for a long time. They win for two years. It's packed. Can you remember even a few years back um, when we had that NIT run? Reed Green was packed. Right. When we when we won two or three there in the NIT and um, we played TCU down the stretch, that place was packed. And even when the women did it, right. when you win, people come. And I would agree with that, Luke. Except except to play devil's advocate, when you look at the Conference USA championship football game, the past three or four years, there's nobody there. It's a championship game, your conference championship game, and there's nobody there. Right. And football is the one that care, that does all the financial heavy lifting for these schools. If if people aren't going to come to football games at any school, you got problems. Now Luke makes a good point about Mississippi State, but I would point out that Mississippi State has had extraordinary success in women's basketball. And uh, they're it, playing for the national championship level of women's basketball. And prior basketball. to the Bulldogs, the Lady Rebels, you know, when Van Chancellor was there all those years, you know, before he embarked upon a, co- a coaching position in the WNBA, you know, when Van Chancellor was at Ole Miss, the Lady Rebels had some great teams k james at southern miss put together some great you know women's teams and apparently you know this year if people haven't been noticing joy lee's got a pretty decent lady eagles team this year we got to get her on the show yeah talk about that she's off to a great start no question all right when we come back there's a new structure uh that's going to be built at southern miss that will enhance the football experience and on-campus experience and uh, we'll be talking to jerry defato about that next Southern Miss to the top. 
This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill, right across the 4th Street Bridge that goes over Highway 49 within shouting distance of M.M. Roberts Stadium. 4th Street Bar and Grill features the 895 lunch. That includes your soft drink and the different blue plate specials Monday through Friday. Great place to shoot a game of pool, but you better get there early because uh, a lot of the guys and gals that shoot pool there like to get there early. And it's a perfect place to pregame, whether you're headed to a Golden Eagle basketball game or baseball game. All your Southern Miss friends are hanging out at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Joining us on our Super Talk Mississippi hotline is the executive director of the USM Alumni Association, Jerry DeFata, who has held that position since mid-2010. And he's here to tell us about the building of a structure called Southern Station. It'll be built at Spirit Park. And if you're a music fan, a live music fan, you certainly want to perk up. Jerry, Happy New Year to you. Glad to have you aboard today. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for having me with you. Hey, you actually got Adam Doliak to come back to, to town, you know, a Southern Miss grad and soon to be mega country superstar or sing, performing superstar to talk about Southern Station. Tell us about what's going on, Jerry, at, uh, at Spirit Park. So the Alumni Association hit a pretty big milestone a couple of years ago in 2017, and, and one of the things that we really wanted to do to commemorate that was to make a gift back to the university. And so we started planning this structure that we've we've named Southern Station, and it's a it's a large music venue on the front. It has a 34 by 24 foot stage that will be permanent right there in Spirit Park, in Spirit Park, facing towards the Pain Center. And on the back side, uh, kind of the uh, eastern edge facing M.M. Roberts Stadium, is a gathering space where we'll be able to accommodate about you know 150 to 200 people for a pregame event. You know, it can also be used for uh, for, for for pre-concert um, preparations. There's a there's about a 400 square foot space in the back that's air conditioned, so it'll be used for you know event storage, event preparation, maybe even a green room. And we've got restrooms there, so it'll be a pretty a pretty multi-use facility that will uh, we think will really add to campus on game day and really throughout the year as well. One of the things that you always worry about with outdoor venues is the weather. So um, you, you talked a little bit about air conditioning for storage purposes, but you know anytime you're dealing with amplifiers and guitars and electricity. Electricity and rain usually are not a very good combination, Absolutely. So how do you design this thing? How do you put it together? Well, the majority of the structure is brick. Um, There are about 70,000 bricks that will kind of take care of the the outside facade of the facility. And then all of the the power components will be held inside one of the air-conditioned storage spaces. Uh, There are are tubes that run through the walls that will allow any kind of music act to come in and plug in, you know, in a way that works best for whatever their setup is. There won't be any lights or any sound that's there permanently. Um, We'll be able to configure it based on the event so that, you know, as as technology changes, you know, you you buy a whole bunch of stuff right now, it's outdated by the time you get it installed. And so we're going to allow, you know, some of the professionals that work in our community to to come in and kind of uh, set these things up in a way that's best for whatever the musical act is or whatever the event is that's on campus. You know, one of the things that we wanted when we were designing this space was we wanted something that would be obviously something that's multi-use but we wanted to be able to reach out to lots of different types of audiences you know one of the really big things for us is is trying to find ways to make the student experience better
better. And for events like, you know, Eagle Palooza is one that students have done forever, but even Friday night pep rallies before ball games, or maybe even things like bid day, where students can meet at this structure and kind of declare the allegiance to their Greek organization, uh, we think this has a lot of uses for a lot of different types of audiences here on our campus, and we're really excited to be able to put, put it together and look forward to opening it this fall before a football game. I'm going to get Luke in here in just a minute, Jerry DeFata, but I, I do want to ask you just real quickly, is it possible that you could book other things on a, on a more formal basis, for example, you know, stand-up comedians that might be coming through town or uh, acoustic bands or so on that, uh, that you might actually be able to use as a concert venue rather than more of a nonchalant casual venue? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's designed in a way, if, if you're familiar with that Spirit Park area of campus, you know, that... Um that area of our campus kind of kind of rolls gently down toward this area, so it's going to have a really good kind of an amphitheater feel to it. And yeah, it's going to be designed in a way that it's so flexible that yeah, you could plug in a couple of amps and and have a comedian. You could, you know, that's one of the things that I see a lot. You think about a game day, you know, maybe John Cox's radio show could be out there for a little while before he transitions into the stadium, and then maybe you have a small acoustic set that comes on there and plays. And I think about you know even some of the, we've got just such an incredible arts. Uh, organizations here on campus, you know, I can see some small arts performances that could take place there. So I think it's it, it can almost be used for anything you can imagine it. The way that it's designed, the stage is large enough. Is large enough. There are enough entrances and exits, and there's going to be pretty easy access to to move things into the to the rear side of it. So it should be able to be used for a wide variety of things on campus, and that's really what we're hoping for. Luke Johnson, it'd be pretty cool if they could get Adam Doliak back to be the first performer. What say you? Yeah, I think he can pull that off. Scott Berry can make a phone call, make that happen. That should, uh, that should, that should work for sure. So we're we're excited, uh, Jerry. I mean, you're talking about this thing's going to be ready uh, for uh, the kickoff game against South Alabama. So when does construction begin? So construction started December the eighth. Um, so now they've they've gotten to a point they're starting to put the steel in the ground to pour the slab. And uh, it's it's expected to be completed this summer, so we we should be in good shape. Even with you know unpredictable weather of South Mississippi, it'll get really hot soon enough that we shouldn't have any real issues. So, you know, we're excited about getting it wrapped up this summer and having time to, you know, clean the area up around it that's been in construction, and then uh, really start prepping to to open the thing this fall. My freshman year at Southern Miss, I stayed in uh, the exciting Bond Hall. Yeah. And I, I use that as a very sarcastic term. Um, so I'm really excited <laughs> that the old Bond Hall, there's something actually right by it. Because I, let's be honest, that part of campus gets missed so much because so much happens at the front of campus. And one of the things you brought up, Jerry, I think is so big. Man, when I was there, we would have the pep rallies and a few of us would go out. But, man, they would have to construct a stage in front of the administration building. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is such more a natural gathering spot, especially when you look at where the dorms are. It should be a real Real easy access for all the students also coming in and out of the Cochrane Center. Yeah, we think it's a great spot. You know, that, that's one of the great things about our campus is that we do have a lot of really nice areas on campus, but one thing that's kind of a negative is it kind of spreads us out. You know, the students struck near the district, you know, a lot of the alumni that are that are kind of my age and they're, they're early to mid to late 40s are around the chapel, and then you have a lot, of, you got a lot of young alumni that kind of tailgate in this new area, this Spirit Park area, 
And if you were on campus last year on game day and walked through this area, you know, there have been a lot of investments in this area from, from food trucks that kind of line the walkway between the Cochrane Center and the new Century Park uh, South Complex to big screen TV so you can see what's going on around the college landscape to people like Adam Doliak who played uh, at homecoming last year. You know, athletics has really tried to make that an area that's easy for families to come to because, I mean, I've got three small kids and the idea of setting up a tent and tables and chairs and coordinating food is is not as appealing for me. But if I can go up and and buy food out of a, a food truck that everybody likes, you know, something different, no problem. We can all grab what we want and then bring a lawn chair and have a seat and listen to John Cox or Adam Doliak and, and watch a little football and see what's going on around uh, around the country, then, man, it's a unique tailgating environment. And I think this area that's really been opened up over the last few years, uh, you thought Bond Hall was nice. You know, Scott Hall and Van Hall were kind of on either side of that, you know, as, when I was in school. And I don't think either one of those were uh, were really good places to, to live the last bit of their tenure. Um, served our university well for a long time, but, you know, students are, are moving out of situations in a lot of in a lot of cases where they've never had to share a room. And so they're moving into an environment where they have to, and uh, they want new and unique types of living environments. And I think we've been able to provide that in our Century Park complexes. But that's opened up a big space that I'm, I'm glad to see that our university is investing in. And the Alumni Association is really excited to play a small role in that with providing this space. Jerry, very quickly, we've got about a minute and a half left in this segment. It's not like you just Google plans for an amphitheater. How long has this planning process gone on, and who helped design the actual structure? So we uh, we really started looking at this back in 2015, and and you know when we went to Charlotte a few years ago, they have a big alumni pavilion on their campus, and I thought that was really cool. Um, they were actually having a, a beer garden in theirs the day that we were there, and I thought that was kind of a neat environment, but it didn't really have a stage. And as we've seen other universities that have amphitheaters and different type stages, um, you know we saw a couple of elements that we wanted, but we we didn't see a structure exactly like we wanted. And so we worked with Larry Albert of uh, Albert and Robinson Associates Architects downtown, and we developed something that we think is uniquely Southern Miss, and, and I thought it deserved a uniquely Southern Miss name, and I think Southern Southern Station does that. Well, Luke, it's only appropriate, I guess, that Charlotte would have a beer garden because as much as they get the pants beat off of them, their fans <laughs> would have something to, to, to cry in once, yeah. once the games are over. But this should, should be pretty cool. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great day for a great, not just for game day, but for all. Jerry, about 30 seconds left. Tell us anything else that's going on with the Alumni Association that our listeners need to know about. Well, one of the coolest things that's taking place with us right now is we're transitioning all of our geographic alumni groups away from a chapter structure that we've had for 50 years to what we're calling alumni hubs. And that's the idea that we want the alumni group in every area to be the central focus of, of Southern Miss activity. So we're providing new opportunities for alumni to recruit, to support the university, to serve on behalf of Southern Miss, to support Southern Miss, and to engage young alumni. And so if people want to get involved in that, southernmissalumni.com is a good place to find information. Uh, we'd love to have them involved. Jerry DeFanta has been the executive director of the USM Alumni Association since mid-2010, coming up on his 10th year anniversary, bringing us, bringing us up to date on the construction of Southern Station, the new concert venue in Spirit Park on the campus of the University of Southern Mississippi. One segment left in this, today's Wednesday? It's today, today's Tuesday, isn't it? I'm getting ahead of myself. Tuesday. That's right. The Tuesday Eagle Hour continues in a moment.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Jerry DeFada for joining us and telling us all about Southern Station. Jody Lott also joined us in the first segment, talking about the new bullpen club. And for real, I mean, anybody out there that wants to donate uh, to my bullpen uh, club seats, um, don't make your check payable to Bob Getty. He'll blow it on something. Um, anyway, yep. third segment of the Eagle Hour, or fourth segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to us every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 and online at Toyota Hattiesburg. Com. Great selection, tremendous selection of Toyotas, new, used, and are pre-owned and uh, certified all on their website or stop by and see them on Highway 98. And we greatly appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke, Kelly, Bob, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and in Laurel. Golden Eagle Tennis starts today. The men are down in New Orleans uh, to take on Prairie View A&M. Women uh, also down there, and uh, so exciting. They, they were really good um, last year and expecting some more uh, good things out of uh, the court for the Eagles and Lady Eagles this year. A accolade for Eric Richards, um, a senior. He's a high jumper for John Stewart's track and field team. He is the Conference USA Field Athlete of the Week for the men's side. He jumped uh, this past week to uh, .15 meters at the Samford uh, Invitational. It's number one in the conference, guys. Number eight overall in the nation. So Eric Richards um, jumping higher than I am tall. Pretty amazing. Congratulations uh, to Mr. Uh, Richard. There is some Conference USA uh, basketball, I think, going on tonight. Eagles won't play until um, later on this week, but let's see what's on the slate tonight uh, in Conference USA. Actually, nothing. I forgot. Old Dominion beat Charlotte last night. North Texas beat Rice. Golden Eagles will take on UAB this coming Thursday. Yeah, Rice has really hit a Rice has really hit a tough streak now. They've yeah. uh, they've lost three in a row. You were a high jumper in your day, weren't you? Uh, well, that was back when they measured in inches. Now with all these I kilometers see. and I centimeters see. and yeah. and stuff like that. You, he was talking about tennis. Do you remember growing? Who was your favorite tennis player growing up? Um, did did you have a, was McEnroe? Was he one of your guys? No, I really didn't care. You didn't really? Pete no. Sampras. No. Okay, Pete Sampras, that's of, a, that's of a generation more recent. But but going back to Rod Laver and Arthur Ashe and uh, Elia Nastasi, do you remember him? Hold on. Who was You're the, showing how old you are because Pete Sampras was number one when I was like eight years old, Kelly. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm... <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, we understand. Uh, who was the... Uh, the American woman that was so good. Chrissy Everett? I always thought she was really hot. Billie Jean King, yeah. you know? Yeah. I enjoyed watching her play. Uh, she was a good She was a good Not one. Not Billie Jean. Chrissy, no, and I, I understand. Yeah. But my favorite, because it rhymed with Santa, was a guy named Roscoe Tanner. Mm. And Roscoe Tanner was known for his 127-mile-an-hour serve. Mm. Now, if anybody ever hit it back... He couldn't return it. Right. I mean, <laughs> now the, the millennials on the show with us are too young to remember this, but do you remember when uh, they had the male female showdown? Yeah, the uh, the Libber versus the Lobber, Billie Jean King against uh, Bobby Riggs. I remember that, that was, well. That, that was, was on national the, TV. I remember watching that with my parents. The yeah. Houston Astrodome. She won. She did. She won. I was yeah. in the I was in the seventh grade. Yeah, and uh, and there was a there was a movie about that that came out a couple years ago mm-hmm. about the life of Billie mm-hmm. Jean. You you don't remember that, Luke? Do you? I don't. I, I was about to say not only Pete Sampras, Jim Courier. There's your another yeah, name. Another I good one. Watching him as well. Boris Becker, Michael Chang. 
Uh, those guys were probably more. And who's the guy from from uh, Sweden that was Bjorn Borg? Mm. Was was really really good for a lot of years in tennis. Did we not mention Andre Agassi because he was married to Steffi Graf? And now he's married to the actress, isn't he? Is he still married to Brooke Shields? No, he married Steffi Graf after that. Didn't the that. Chung guy play doubles with the Chang guy? Chang and Chung? No, 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 I, no that that's was, Cheech that and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, that's a, that's a comedy team. Man, I tell you, I used to do stand-up comedy, and, and I, I got into trouble one time because I drank a little bit too much before the show, and I introduced Seals and Crofts as Arts and Crafts. And... <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask the young millennial here in the studio. Do you know who Cheeks and Chong are? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen a little bit of their stuff on YouTube. I mean, I know of them okay. on YouTube. On YouTube, you can find any all that old stuff on. I mean, that's uh, why I watch a lot of my old stuff. I mean, my mom introduced me to like Gallagher, and I watch a lot of the old SNL skits and things like that. On when it YouTube. was funny, yeah, with Saturday Night Live. Remember the big funny. hammer that, yeah. that uh, Gallagher used to have? What was yeah. it called? Sledgematic. That's it. The Sledgematic. It's not a kitchen. You. It's not a slicer. It's not the dicer. No, you wanted the old spiel. Uh, there was a time when Saturday Night Live was hysterical. Brilliant. Brilliantly written. The Coneheads. The original cast. They were magnificent. And, and, and I think we've asked this before, but this is the Southern Miss program. Do you know who's um, there was one cast member of Saturday Night Live who was born in Hattiesburg? Really, and his parents taught at Southern Miss. He was born here, and I think he, he moved when he was like. Ooh. Um, his name, gosh, I knew you were going to ask me this. He was one of the more recent recent guys, Fred Armisen. Really? Oh. Yeah, Fred right? Ar- Fred Armisen. Do you know you know which one he is? That name sounds familiar. Yeah, you'll have to Google him. But yeah, he was. Uh, but but when you ask him now about Hattiesburg, he'll say, "Look." That's all I have in common with Hattiesburg is I have to be born there. He said I moved when no, I was. He's not a very nice guy. Though. Well, he just he just said I was two years old when my parents left Southern Miss right. and and went on. He to, doesn't remember much. Yeah, it's, right. It's like uh, when I saw Steely Dan a couple of years ago, greatest concert I ever saw. The drummer, born in Greenville, Mississippi, raised in Denton, Texas, but born in Greenville, Mississippi. Is, and I'm not saying this to be funny, but is he still with us? Because a lot of the old rock and roll no, guys he have is, passed. Yeah. Okay. He's magnificent. And I think Donald Fagan. The lead singer for for Steely Dan is one is a musician. Oh gosh, he's just sensational. Hit machine, yeah, Hit machine. A little bit weird. I have no idea what y'all are talking about. <laughs> Even I know what they're talking about, Luke. How do you not know? <laughs> we appreciate your honesty, Luke. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you after the show, Luke. <laughs> that wraps it up for today. Thank God. We'll be back tomorrow at one. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.